Welcome to Real Financial Planning, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson, and I'm joined, as always, by Mike Morton, the proprietor of Morton Financial Advice and the host of Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs, the Mike Morton podcast, in addition to appearing in Capital Close-Up, that great podcast feed that I oversee. Mike, welcome. Thanks, Matt. I love being the proprietor. Yeah, just proprietor. makes me sound so official. It's an old-timey <laughs> way. It's like ye old financial planning with an E on the end. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> sound financial. But you, it, it's, you're a little bit like Andy Dufresne. It's like sound financial planning from uh, convicted felon. Um, <laughs> that's right. All right. It, in our last show, our podcast listeners, either in Capital Close-Up or on your pod or on WKXL, heard we did a two-part episode, and we talked about all kinds of tips and tricks and apps and programs. What are like the easy ways to do some of this financial planning, budgeting, and investing stuff a little bit easier on your own? And in the course of that, we mentioned that whole episode sprang out of a listener question, and we'd gotten another listener question which was right on point for everything we ended up talking about. We're like, all right, we've got to do a whole show about this. So here's the listener question. It was, how many accounts is too many? And I think I I even mentioned in our last episode, it's just the nature of work and life these days that most people, I would say, are going to end up with a lot more finance-related accounts than you'd think you would for various reasons. And so it it presents a whole bunch of questions and challenges. All right. So that's the topic today. First of all, let's do what we always do. We love these listener questions. They're great. We're getting a bunch of really good ones. So if you have a listener question, where should you email Mike Morton? Yeah. Email is financialplanningpod at gmail.com financialplanningpod at gmail.com. And you can also go, to, if you're into social media, I don't know, the kids are all into that. Yeah, these kids days. these days. Yeah, kids <laughs> these days. Go to Facebook, go to the Beyond Politics with Paul Hose and Matt Robeson Facebook page. Just post a question there and we will check it out and try to answer it. All right, Mike. So you want to tackle this question? <laughs> How many, how, how many accounts, accounts is too, too many? many? You know what reminds <laughs> me of? There's this classic Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns says to his assistant Smithers, how many brain, uh, eggs did it lay in your brain? And he says, frankly, sir, one is too many. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like that when I'm dealing with my finances. Oh, my gosh. I don't even want to know. Just, there's just one more. How many is too many? It's just one more than you already have. Yeah. I don't want to deal with even one thing. I don't even want to look at my checking account. Like, it never makes me happy. Right. So... How many is too many? How many is too many? So it is true, Matt. Um, and I run across this all the time, of course. You've been working for a while and we've got a couple of different accounts from old jobs and then you know, maybe you end up with a partner and, and they've got some accounts. And so suddenly I imagine your situation where there's five, 10 or 15 various accounts from previous jobs and at different banks and brokerages and stuff is all spread out. So we did talk about that last time, some apps you know, that can help you <laughs> try to manage that. And it is important to get the holistic view across that. But we end up with a lot of different accounts because so much of it now is put on the American employee, right? right? It used to be a long time ago, you'd have a pension, you'd work one job your whole career. They give you a pension. You know, that's just like totally laughing when I said that, well, just one job. And they would give you a pension, right? Uh, for your retirement that you put into, you yeah, sacrifice sure, sure. your income for that pension. 
But today it's got totally flipped around. So the employee is now responsible for their own um, savings for the future, i.e., you know, retirement. And usually we're skipping around jobs these days, don't have that one job. So you end up with a lot of these accounts. And my first point is not to feel bad about that. That's perfectly normal and it's fine to have multiple accounts. So rest assured, you're in good company. Many people have lots of accounts. There's no problem with that, having all those accounts. The issue becomes, as Matt, you said, that it's hard to understand where everything is and what those investments are when they're spread across different logins. You know, you got four different logins and all different account types out behind each of those logins. And so that's where the issue really hits me is that, man, one, you feel unorganized and you feel that, geez, I'm not on top of this because of all these logins and these accounts. And secondly, it's hard to understand what you're invested in and is that the right mix for you for the future. Just, I'm always leery of giving away too much information because there there could be like 20,000 people listening on radio right now, look, we're in an audience that, that in a geographic area that's got 290,000 people. A lot of people, not to mention the <laughs> podcast listeners. Sometime we'll post all this on video. I don't want to give away too much information, but I'm going to give away a little bit of personal information here because I do want to renorm this for people a little bit. I, I am not a wealthy man. And I don't think I've had an unusual... That's all, that's all relative. It's all Matt. relative. I'm, I've got my health and there's there you that. Go. My knees that's are right. falling off. But <laughs> Except for your knees, yeah. right? <laughs> it's like I can't stand up from a chair, but other than that, I have 14 financial accounts that I'm aware of, okay? I don't think I'm a particularly unusual person in this regard. I've worked a couple of jobs. And so for one thing, I worked in Congress and I was a federal employee. So they have a version of a 401k called the Thrift Savings Plan, the TSP. And it works like a 401k at any other job. You you make a contribution, they match, blah, blah, blah. So I've got that. And there's a whole set of Byzantine protocols to access and find out what's happening over there. I have some previous employment. And so there were 401ks associated with that. Now, uh, I got married. Uh, good move. Great move. Very happy <laughs> I made move. that decision. My wife, boy, I sound like Borat when I say that. My wife, my, my wife also <laughs> had some previous jobs. And so she's got a couple of 401ks. And now she's working and, and she's got a 401k right now. Now, a few years ago, I was very fortunate. I got a great job where they gave me an incentive. They said, if you work here for three years, we'll give you some stock that vests at a certain point. So there's another account because that's with a different financial yep. services firm that's not the one that that I worked with for my other accounts. Now, when I lived in, in Concord, right outside of Concord, New Hampshire, I worked with a financial planner, me up with some more accounts, right? I established an IRA and then I had a brokerage right. account. And then I set up some 529s. Now, we're living in New Hampshire, but for some reason, having to do with taxes, I was set up with 529s through South Dakota, okay? And so eventually, <laughs> I transferred those. But I, I have three children, so I have some 529s for them. Then I'm not even going to make this up. I Like I said, I'm not, a, I'm not like a rich dude. And believe me, my grandparents were not rich. They were not rich. But for some fakakta reason, 
My grandfather, who died when I was six, had an investment in the Empire State Building. Like, literally the Empire State You know, like King Kong climbing the Empire State Building in the 1932 right, Fay right. Ray movie? The place where King Kong puts his big toe, that is a piece of the Empire State Building that I own, apparently. I hope it didn't well, get Well, I don't down. know. That's the point is I don't even know. A cousin of mine who also inherited a piece of this. There are four of us who are like cousins. We all own half a brick. And apparently this is worth a little <laughs> bit of money. I don't even know how much. And so I have to go through 15 different That's financial great. disclosures to find out. So what... Does that have a login where you can look up the value it of It would if I could figure out how to establish it. <laughs> it's with yet another financial services firm. There's an account there exactly. and I have to yep. figure it out. Yep. Through my cousin who lives in Mexico. So the point is, this is just a, a, a small taste of sort of the complication. And it raises all the issues yep. that you mentioned a moment ago, which is I'm not even really totally sure what are our household assets. And that's right. troubling. I do my best to track it. But am I well diversified? Do I have, as you mentioned in our last show, is some of this money like sitting in cash? Is it sitting in accounts that have high management fees? I don't know. And if I get hit by a bus, I have no idea. My poor wife will will have to, my wife will have to figure out what did we own? I'm not really sure. Yeah. She's never getting that quarter. Well, of brick, she might. She might end up throwing it at my coffin. So anyway, that's right. That is my tale of right. woe. And if anyone listening identifies with anything I just said, that's why we're doing this episode. So the best part about this episode is that you can feel good about your number of accounts based on Matt's story. If you, <laughs> so that's, that's perfect. Right. If anyone out there does not own a piece of the Empire State <laughs> Building, maybe that the information about that sits with a cousin who lives in Mexico. You're doing great. You're you're ahead of the game. You're doing great. You're doing great. So we do want to, as much as possible, I do find simplifying and organizing to be a good process because it helps you just feel better about your financial situ situation. And I really want you to feel good. And by building that understanding and then feeling good about where you are, whether you need to save more or invest slightly differently or whatever it is, at least you will know. And as they say, knowing's half the yes. battle. So simplify and organize. What's the name? Well, who was G.I. Joe trying to defeat? What was the name of that organization? Cobra. Cobra. You're right. If you're trying to beat Cobra, then knowing is half the battle. You know what the problem with knowing half the battle being? The, the problem is <laughs> the other half. The other half? You're only halfway yeah. there. Well, you, you've lost. Hey, we won half the battle. Good. Great. That's fantastic. But it is good to know, I think, is your point. All right. So let's talk about some things you can do. All right. So you've worked at some old jobs and you got 401ks. And so they're sitting in that 401k. You were working there. You contributed money and you had some login, you know, Fidelity or Schwab or E-Trade or it could be some, somewhere else that had your, has your 401k. And you leave that job and you maybe left four, four years ago or 10 years ago. And it's still sitting there in that 401k under that login, which you've now, you know, long forgotten. So what you can do is transfer that 401k to right. a rollover IRA. Now, remember, IRAs are individual retirement accounts. So Matt, yours would be just under your name, Matt Robeson, individual retirement account. And so you can transfer, roll or transfer your 401k money into 
an individual retirement account. So you could set up an individual retirement account at a new custodian. Again, Fidelity, Schwab, Vanguard, whatever you like. And then you contact your old 401k provider and say, can you please transfer you know, this money into my IRA? All right. Now, you can do that. It's great. There's some reasons you might not yeah. want to do that. I'll get into that. But for the first step, that's great to consolidate. Hey, I had three different jobs. I got these. And, and a lot of times I find, Matt, that they're very small amounts. Hey, I worked at this job for a year and I was young. I saved a little bit and there's five grand in there or something. So that's a good step to first just consolidate, get rid of that, that old stuff um, and put it into your own individual retirement account. I, I will say, and I do want to ask you about what you just teased a second ago that maybe there are some downsides. I've done this. They make it not easy. For the same reason that they make it not easy to quit the gym. Hey, they're probably, (laughs) how would you say you make money doing this? We charge fees. They want your money with them. And so (laughs) they just, they make barriers. So anyone with a few hours and a willingness to make some phone calls and write some letters and sign some forms can do this. I, I went through this process for my 14 accounts and I'm like, I'm going to clean up all these old 401ks. Not Again, not that there's so many of them, but there's, I don't know, I, I, at the time, I think there were three or four. I'm like, all right, I'm going to clean these up and I'm going to roll them over. So the first step that was super not convenient was I had to establish an IRA at a new, as you say, a new custodian, like a, a, a yep. new place that I was going to manage all of this. And I had to go through that. And then because some of this sits with my wife, I want to be able to see these things in one place. So there's a whole bunch of other forms to establish that we could have one login so that we could see in one view everything that was under her name and my name and that we're married and et cetera. And then, as you said, I have to contact the old financial services firm. They all have their own individual process. There's not a universal form. And so you've got to go through signing that. And after I went through, this was multiple days of setting aside an hour here, an hour there. I just got exhausted and I stopped and I haven't picked up the process since. And it's been like three or four years. And that was like five years ago. So am I bumming people out here? I don't mean to bum people out, but. No, Matt, you're making people feel good. They're making a lot more progress than you are. So that's great. So I will say this. The other thing you can try, I've heard this, and I don't know if you can do it or not, but contact when you open up that Mm. individual retirement account at Fidelity or Vanguard or or wherever it is, Schwab, any of those or whatever brokerage you want to use, you can talk to them directly and say, I'd like to open up this individual retirement account, this IRA, because I want to roll this old 401k into it. Can you help me Mm. with that process? And I've heard really good stories that you'll get somebody on the phone, again, because they want your money. The new place wants your money. They're like, sure, we'd be happy to help you. And they will actually do some of the legwork to figure out what forms you need and all that stuff at the 401k for you. So you might be able to get some free help with the new custodian that has your IRA because they're, they want your money as well. So I just throw that out there, like try that out. Funny you should mention yeah, I mean, I've kind of come clean about the fact that I worked with Vanguard before, so I'll just go ahead and call them out. Um, I don't think I'm making myself more hackable, in fact. Re- remember, you don't have any money anyway, so no one's going to hack it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible thieving target. I just, I, you know, it's it's the juice isn't worth the squeeze. But um, I don't know, maybe there's some advantage to like, you know, you have to go through, if it's hard for me, 
to hack into my own accounts. Can you imagine? But anyway, Mike, your point is right. Um, I remember very distinctly, I did exactly what you just advised. And I called up Vanguard and I said what you just said. I am trying to move this over. They told me the form. They, they told me how to fill it out, where to send it. And then I called up the old people and I said, all right, I'm sending you this form. And I had like three or four back and forth calls with them. And then I called Vanguard back. And it was a pain in the butt. Yeah. But there was some help. Yeah. Now, there's a couple of different ways to do this transfer. The way we've just been discussing about it is called trustee to trustee transfers. Okay. So it's going from your current 401k, which is a trustee that they're managing that money to the new individual retirement account and they're a trustee wherever you set that up. And so you can do, there's no limit to how many of those you can do. And I recommend, I definitely recommend doing it this way, trustee to trustee, or it's called direct rollover. And the reason I recommend is because then those parties are responsible. It's why there is a lot of paperwork. They're responsible for making sure everything happens correctly. All the money gets over there, et cetera, et cetera. And so you don't, you never have the actual money. Because remember, this is in probably a tax deferred, right? It's in your 401k. So it's a, you know, tax deferred account. And so is the individual retirement accounts. You want to make sure these things are set up correctly, the same types of account. In fact, I should mention that if it's a tax deferred 401k, which is very typical, you haven't paid taxes on that $50,000 yet that's in there, you want to transfer it to a rollover IRA, which has the same tax consequences. You don't want to roll it to a Roth IRA, because then that'll be a taxable event. Now, you might want to roll it to a Roth IRA. You might want to do a Roth conversion, but be aware of what you're doing. 401ks that are tax deferred, go into your rollover IRA. Call the institutions, do trustee to trustee transfers. Now, there's another way you can do this, which is you can take control of the money. So you can call that old 401k provider and say, Ah. send me a check for my $50,000. And it will arrive in the mail, $50,000 check, and then you walk over to the new institution or you send it to the new institution and input it into your rollover IRA. You do a deposit of the $50,000 check into your new rollover IRA. Now, the reason I don't like that so much is what happens if something happens to that check, you forget to do it, and if you don't do it within 60 days, then you have tax consequences because you pulled the money out of your 401k. Depending on your age and other situations, you're going to get taxed on that money. There could be penalties involved. So I really don't like that way of doing it. But in certain instances, it might be the easiest, simplest thing to do. Just grab the 10000 bucks, have them send you a check, and then quickly go and deposit it. Now, you can only do one of those in a 12-month period. Okay, so you can't do a whole bunch of those. So there was a lot there, but really just stick with the trustee to trustee doing the direct transfer if you can. Or I could do it the other way, and if I do it that way, I could accomplish all of this in about a decade, which is you <laughs> That's know, right. very exciting for me. You know, I'd love to just kind of zoom out on this for a second because I think the mechanics of how to do it are really important. But I, I don't want to lose sight of the why of all of this. I mean, you know, it was interesting, totally off-air – you and I were were chatting a couple of weeks ago, and it's funny. Like this was before we even got this listener question of like how many accounts is too many, which was sort of comforting to get because it's like wow, other people <laughs> worry about this too. And 
I was saying like, oh man, Mike, I, I, I got to admit something to you. I've got like a lot of accounts and uh, I'm thinking of trying to consolidate them. And you surprised me. You're like, eh, I, I'm not so sure that you need to do that. I don't always advise my clients to do that. So, so why would I want to consolidate and why would I maybe not want to consolidate? All right. The reasons to consolidate are what we said at the top of the show, to simplify, to organize, to get a better view, um, and just to simplify your life. The other reason is often your investment choices within the IRA will be more than within your 401k. So 401ks only have, you know, you're used to this, you can pick out 20 or 30 different things in your individual retirement account, you can get the, the gambit of stuff. All right, that's another reason. Other reasons, you can even go further, like your IRAs, if you're getting close to retirement, or if you've built up a lot of money, in your 401ks, you can put it in IRAs. You can even invest it in crypto within your IRA. You can invest it in real estate. You can have an investment property, like you go out and buy an individual house using mm, your IRA. Okay, so there's other things you can do, a lot more flexibility with the IRAs than within your 401k. So that's the reason to do it. The reason not to do it is I have a lot of clients that like to do the backdoor Roth. Could you just remind us real quick? Okay, we've, about the backdoor Roth. Yeah, we've talked about that. The backdoor Roth contributions. If you don't have any individual retirement accounts, okay, you can contribute uh, depending, you know, and you make a really good income. You're, you're not allowed to contribute directly to a Roth IRA. You're in, you hit the income limit. You're not allowed. But you can contribute to a traditional IRA. And then you're allowed to convert the traditional IRA into a Roth IRA. And in this case, since your income is so high, when you contribute to the traditional IRA, your $6,000, you cannot take it off your taxes. So you've already paid taxes on the 6000 in your traditional IRA. So when you transfer it to a Roth IRA, you don't owe any additional taxes. And now you have 6000 in the Roth IRA. So even though I told you, you couldn't contribute to a Roth IRA, you still managed to get $6,000 into a Roth IRA. Okay. Now that's called a backdoor Roth. And there's all kinds of episodes and information we have on that. But the reason with the 401ks here comes in, I said that if you don't have any other IRAs, then you can do the clean backdoor, which is what I just described. No extra tax consequences and you get your $6,000 into a Roth IRA. But if you rolled over previous 401ks and now you have $100,000, in your IRA, your traditional or rollover ah, IRAs, I see. then you cannot do that clean, no tax consequence transfer. So you cannot put in 6000 and then transfer the 6000 to the Roth. When you do that, you're going to owe taxes because you combine all of your IRAs balances. I don't want to get into details, but at this level, the reason I responded to Matt like, hey, it might not be a bad idea is one, I'm not too concerned about old 401ks. But that's part of my job. Like I, I deal with accounts all the time. So it doesn't bother me too much seeing like a lot of different accounts. But for this one, I have a lot of clients that like doing this clean backdoor Roth. Uh, and so we want to keep money in a 401k instead of your individual retirement account. I see. And so, and just kind of very broadly, is there truly a downside? Like, let's say for listeners out there who maybe aren't sure if this whole backdoor Roth situation might apply to them. Maybe they just don't even have the wherewithal to kind of go through that whole process. It's like, my gosh, I can barely go through the starter process to even consider. What they want to know, I think, is how worried should I be about 
the current state of affairs. Yeah. What's your What's your sense having, of that? Having like, like having a lot of different accounts, should you be like concerned yeah, about? Yeah, if it? you've got a 10, 14 accounts, is that by its nature bad? No, it, no, I wouldn't. That's why I say like it doesn't matter, and I'm, I'm not worried about it at all. What happens though is that when you look at the investments and start adding them up across all the different accounts into that one big pie picture, hmm. that's when you realize. A lot of times, oh, I'm not being aggressive enough and being too conservative. Because each time you made an individual 401k choice, you were at a different stage of life. Maybe you were a little conservative every time or maybe a little too aggressive every time. And now you just don't realize how that's compounded over time. And that gets back to the organization and understanding the investments. But to your question, am I concerned about having 10, 15 accounts? No, not at all. Would it then be fair to say that if you have that many accounts as a basic thing, at the very least, even if you're not going to roll them over, a, a good step, is, if if you're worried about it, right, like, you know, or a good step to just control those those downsides of having that many accounts is to at least make sure that you've updated and have some kind of online access. You know you can log in, view what's in the account, and you can understand what the settings are. So I'll give an example. When I, I mentioned when I worked for the federal government, I started working for the federal government uh, 2001. And I was young, just out of grad school. I was relatively young. Your knees were working? My knees were more or less working, <laughs> and I was making next to nothing. And so, you know, I was putting away a tiny amount. And I literally, like most people, turned to the person working next to me and said, Huh, I have to choose an allocation. There's sort of these off the shelf, like you can go with plan A, plan B. It's like being at a Chinese restaurant. You can <laughs> one from right. column A, one from column B. Like, you know, it's like, so do you, how do you want to do it? And he's like, eh, go with this one. You know, and it was some mix of like domestic large cap and I think domestic small cap and then some international. I, but I don't even remember. I didn't even know. You know, the irony of all of this is that. The thrift savings plan over the years has done very well. So I have no complaints, but I can't even remember and tell you how I have that division. And that division that I set, I don't know, 20 years ago, based on a whim and a conversation with the guy sitting next to me, is still how I have that allocation going. And maybe it makes no sense. So I, all of this kind of like feeds into a question to you. It's like, is there still a little bit of homework to do for people who have a lot of accounts and have heard the good news story of, no, that's okay, don't worry about it, but you still should at least do the following. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's correct. You want to do that. You want to check and see what everything's invested. I mean, the good news is too, Matt, like we've been part of a bull market for like 20 years. So, I mean, that's great that hopefully it's hard you to chose, mess this you know, up. It's hard to mess yeah. things up. But hopefully at that stage, you chose those really aggressive, you know, all in on the stocks. I don't think I did. <laughs> you don't think you did. So. <laughs> so, well, you just have to build that uh, hot tub time machine now. <laughs> Go back and change your allocations. Gosh. So, yeah, you want to look at your, your total portfolio, make sure the allocations are, are good for where you are in life today. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. And then the other thing I always look at is the funds available within the 401ks. I'll run into this a lot. They're just not that great. So mm. more and more, like I work with a lot of uh, people, that, uh, people that work in tech. 
All right, so they work for big tech employers. And they're, and those 401ks are pretty good. And a lot of 401ks now have target date funds, which we've talked about. I like those a lot as well. But a lot of them still have, even though they got the Vanguard target date fund, they still have these other funds that are very high cost, right? And none of that's kind of right there front and center. So check your 401ks that you currently have. We mentioned this in the podcast before, but here it is again. You've got four or five different accounts. You need to go to each of those accounts and make sure you're not invested in a high cost mutual fund where you could replace that with something more simple. Now within a 401k, that's really hard. And that's the point is like, there's only 20 or 30 choices, you know, where you're going to move that money in that 401k. So again, that's a rollover IRA gives you way more choice on where to invest that money. Well, just to kind of um, spike the football on your last point, we did a show about six weeks ago about just how much of a difference it could make, like a percentage point in terms of fees and costs. And I'm not worried about it for the thrift savings plan from the federal government. It's It has a lot of the benefits being super large, which, you know, they're their management costs are very low. I, I can't remember what the uh, what the expense ratio is, but it's pretty low. It's pretty competitive. It's not as low as an index fund that you might get from like a Vanguard. I think, you know, if you're in a target date fund, I think the expense ratio is like 0.08. It's like yep. some astonishing little percentage. I think it's a little bit higher than that if you, you know, have the thrift savings plan. But it's not outrageous. But that difference of 1%, you demonstrated that over 20 years, that could be 150000 bucks. Well, I did not start off with $100,000 in there, which I think was the basis <laughs> in your numerical example. Mm-hmm. I, I started with some money in there, and it's creeping up on 20 years since I started contributing yep. to that. You know, the point is, I'm 48 years old. You can't tell if you're listening because I'm so <laughs> youthful sounding. I, I mean, I'm 48 years old. I'm still not planning to retire for, let's say, another 20 years. And so right now, we could plug right into the numerical example that you gave in that earlier show. If any of these assets that are in 401ks in my personal situation are in these kind of high-fee situations, if I intervene right now, then – I could be getting that extra 150,000 bucks for retirement. That's a big deal. So it seems like if you're going to, you could decide or not decide whether to roll those over. But at the very least, knowing is half the battle in this case. Like you really do need to know. Yeah, those those percentages make a massive, massive difference. And not only that, Matt, you're saying, oh, it might, might work another 20 years, but you'll probably hold that fund for another 40 years. Yeah, right? right. If you buy it today... You know, you're not going to completely get out of it 100% in 20 years, right? Yeah, you don't know about my wild lifestyle, though. I mean. <laughs> that's right. You might need that money. <laughs> yeah, or or I may not make it that far. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, then you don't have to worry about it. I'll yeah, be talking, right. to, uh, talking to your kids. Leave it. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're going to be like, hey, you want to see this brick? Um, how often is it the case that 401ks – I mean, you, you work with a ton of clients. When they're in this situation – would you expect that some of these older 401ks that are sitting around are in a high fee situation? Yeah. Yes, I would. Any job that you've had, I mean, I would review all of them hmm. and um, just look at the ticker symbols. You can plug them in the, the internet, uh, into Google, put in that little ticker symbol, whatever you're uh, invested in, and you're looking for expense ratio 
probably what it's going to be called. So just look for that. It's going to be somewhere in the range of, you know, 0.5%, 0.2%, all the way up to 1% or even over 1%. And that's when you're really, in my opinion, running into trouble mm. because a half a percent change in your portfolio over your lifetime for a million dollars. Just a half a percent of compound interest yeah. um, over a lifetime. So that's a really, really big deal. And while we're on the subject of fees, I do want to bring up something else I was thinking about. When we've got multiple accounts and you think about rolling things over and consolidating, I want you to also be careful of the advice that you're getting and take a step back and make sure it's going to be the right advice for you. So I've mentioned some advice today. So, you know, I, I recommend that. Take a step back. Is yeah. that, you know, is that right for you? And then here's the situation I mentioned this because I was thinking about it. Often you'll get advice from places that sound very free. I mean, obviously we're on the radio. This is free advice. But some of these have your money, like the local bank account notices that, oh, you've deposited $100,000 or it's been sitting there for a while. That local bank will give you a call. Hey, do you want to come down and have a you know, free chat about how we can help you invest this for, for you? which is great. They're going to give you some, some good advice. But again, if it's free advice, just make sure you st- don't sign anything there. Just step back and say, what did they recommend that I do? And does that make sense? And particularly when it comes to these fees. Now, people that need to get paid, you know, it's great. There's good people trying to really help you. But when it's a bank, that person with the free advice, they're having a salary and they're often paid in commissions, which is fine. You know, they're giving you some good advice. They have to get paid. If you buy that mutual fund, they might get paid a commission. That's why they recommend it. Then secondarily, your money that's in the mutual fund have these fees. They're going to be higher fees because you're getting kind of free advice all along the way. So, you know, and those people have to get paid as well, those managers. The issue I have is that that was the way it was done 20 plus years ago when it was really hard to access all this stuff. Mm. But everybody knows today, you just download Robinhood, put your money in there and like a couple clicks later, boom, you're all invested. And so the technology is changing. And what you don't want to be caught in is exactly what we're talking about today, where your $100,000 is in a mutual fund charging for the next 20 years. Right, right. You know, I'll give you another application. I'm going to turn it into a question, but since I've already kind of spilled the beans on my own situation, I'll just draw from my own example. I mentioned earlier that I had established some 529 accounts for my kids to save for college. And on the advice of the financial institution that I was working with at the time, every state has its own 529 plan, and these were in a state that I was not living in. I eventually, when I moved, I was interested in maybe looking at that state. And it it turns out that you could have specific tax benefits if you're invested in the 529 that applies to the state you live in, that that is originated from the state you live in. And so, look, there was another pain in the butt that way too much time. I had to fill out forms. I had to scan things. I had to call. But it was worth it. If you think about it in terms of the net benefit that I got financially, I was very well compensated for that time on an hourly basis. It was a worthwhile way to spend my time. And it was just worth looking into. So it it, it seems to me, here's the question part of this, that this isn't just for old 401ks. This question of what old accounts do you have sitting around that you haven't thought about could very much apply to all kinds of accounts, very much including 529s. And it's worth thinking about, you know, what did you establish long ago in another phase of your life? And 
kind of seeing ah, maybe maybe that does need some consolidation or a transfer. Yeah, the five two nine is an interesting one. They again are very similar to just your mutual funds that they do have fees. There are run by the state, so each state has their own five two nines and. In that state's program, they might contract with Vanguard or Fidelity or whatever to run the plan. Um, and so, and they have fees associated with them. And in fact, I think we did an episode a while ago on 529s. We I've did. looked at about a, a dozen different state plans and compared the fees. And it's pretty dramatic. It's not nearly as bad as some of the stuff I've seen from 401ks from 20 years ago. Like we're not talking 1%, mm. but they could be double from like, say, 0.1% to 0.2%. And none of that really bothers me so much. That's all fine. So any of the state plans I'm, I'm pretty happy with, but I think some are a little bit better. You can go and look at that episode. I think I like the Utah one and the Illinois one. Massachusetts, where I am, I'm in the state of Massachusetts. It's a good plan. Fees are very low. Not quite as low as those other two. And so for the state, and you do get a deduction off your state income tax for contributions Okay, but I still recommend those other plans. And here's the reason, Matt, because when you dig into the the state tax deduction, you save about a hundred bucks. So I'm like, well, depending on, you know, you could save a hundred bucks a year if you're contributing to that five to nine every year, which is pretty good savings, one or two hundred bucks, you know, nothing to sneeze at there. But for some people, they put in like a lump sum and say, I'm going to put in a lump sum and just let it ride. In that case, I more care about the ongoing fees than that $100 mm, that's really state tax deduction. Now to your question, consolidation, if you have 529s, you can move them. So if you have multiple 529s, you can consolidate them. You can transfer from one 529 into another 529. Again, for that simplification, organization, just have one login, you can do that. It's not going to save you anything and find a good one. You know, I mentioned two different states I like. Like I said, pretty good. I haven't run across any that I'm like, ooh, that's not so good. <laughs> so that's all fun. I would just, I would organize those. You can consolidate those. You're not going to save anything other than the ongoing fees and the interface and what you're, you know, they have investment choices just like 401ks, but you're not going to save anything in terms of state tax deductions for moving any of that stuff because that's on the contributions. I- Only when you contribute, not on the balance. You know, I did want to hold aside just a few minutes toward the tail end of this episode to talk about a topic that we only had 30 seconds to discuss at the tail end of our last episode, which is password management. So I've heard one thing that you really should do as a piece of homework. If you've got multiple accounts, just check out, especially your old stuff, make sure you know where before you even make that go, no go on, do I need to roll it over? But the other thing that I heard from you last time is you need a password manager. And that's especially true if you've got so many accounts, you don't want to be trying to keep track on paper in in some kind of a convoluted way of here's how I access all of these dozen or so things. So you recommended a particular one last time. Do you want to just talk about that for a sec? Yeah, I'm a big fan of password managers and I'm bringing up more and more with my clients to make sure that they use one. And for me, it falls under that idea of estate planning, or you mentioned that earlier in this show as well. You know, what if you get hit by a bus, all the accounts, their values, but also their logins, right? And numbers and all that stuff. So in your password manager, you can enter a whole bunch of stuff and it's great. And so I recommend you have a password manager with your family, right? So you got a partner so that they have shared login, you know, they've got your own login, but it's shared information in there. And you can enter not only your login, but also all kinds of other notes 
and other information, account numbers and stuff like that in there. And it's a very useful tool under that estate planning. I use one called First Password, the number one, and then Password. I really like that. I've heard good things about LastPass, and there's certainly other ones out there as well. I'm sure they're all great. Um, But I just think it's a really useful tool. Well, coincidentally, there was a really good article about this in the New York Times by Andrew Cunningham from August 27th, 2019. Andrew Cunningham, and the, the article is called Why You Need a Password Manager. Yes, you is the (laughs) the title of it and they actually recommend two services that you just outlined first password which is the number one with word password and then uh the other one is uh last pass last pass last pass so um you know both of those seem seem to be a good and you know what's really ironic just like the project of i need to roll over (laughs) you, you note the date on, on that article. I opened that that article and I kept it open as a tab in my browser for a long time. <laughs> for the last three years. For the last two and a half years. <laughs> and I really promised myself that I'm going to do this. But, you know, this show is kind of giving me a little bit of a kick in the you-know-what to start with that. I think if I do nothing else, the password manager part is a good step. And I, I just am a big fan of those password managers for, for the use in my life because the best part, Matt, is on your phone – you just hold your finger or face ID and it fills in all your logins. And then therefore you have these super long, you know, 15 digit crazy login uh, passwords that you would never remember, but they're all stored in there. So everything becomes way more secure and becomes way easier in your everyday life. So I'm a big fan of using these. Yeah. Well, look, this has turned into a lot of really great practical advice. So I think we've got a wrap here, but it sounds like do the homework check get a password manager, and bottom line, don't stress. Having so many (laughs) accounts is not necessarily a terrible thing. Mike Morton, thanks so much for running it all down. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or mortonfinancialadvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.